Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Here we go. Check it out. We have a whiteboard. I didn't need to tell you that. I think it's a little bit obvious. So... Uh, great to be, great to be with you here this afternoon. Hearing Steve say this afternoon, I, I have spoken on microphones and churches and said this morning, this evening. I've never actually said, "Hey, so good to see you this afternoon." <laughs> that's exciting. That's a that's a new one. The Savo, so welcome, the Savo. Ah, thank you. Hey, let's read. Let's jump into the the Word of God. And we're going to read Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And, and so good to see again some familiar faces here. Many of you I've known for decades and been on this journey together. And, and some of you I'd love to say day if I've never met you before and, and see you after the service. And great to be on this journey with you to old friends and new friends. Romans 12, 1 to 2. We'll read first in the message. And I love this contemporary rendering here and then we'll come back to a more traditional translation in a moment just in case you're wondering uh worried uh, read from the nrv surely here in the message so here's what i want you to do so this is the apostle paul talking exhorting here's what i want you to do god helping you take your everyday life your ordinary life you're sleeping eating going to work and walking around life. Anyone got one of those? Just a normal, we, we all have got that sort of life and place it before God as an offering. Yeah. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Sounds nice to say it. It's, uh, it's not as difficult to walk that out. Help us, God. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you, in me, in us. From the NIV. And so what, what we're doing here is I'm actually, I'm pulling together two messages. And some of you, if you jump between HH and QB, you may have heard bits. And this is also springboarding from a series we did in February. And so I'm kind of weaving at least two messages together here in this one little chunk for you guys. But I know you can handle it because guess what I figured out? I figured out what QB stands for. QB quintessentially brilliant. So, so you're up for the challenge of uh, two messages in one. So I can speak, I often listen to podcasts on 1.5 speed. So forgive me as I may speak on two times speed. Uh, you got this, because you are quintessentially brilliant. So just remind yourself, that could be a good tattoo or uh, you can write it on, on uh, the Nicole, you got t-shirts, mate? Um, I think so, quintessentially brilliant. You all get one, you get a t-shirt, you get one. 
So, okay, so here we go. Just to, if you haven't heard anything from this series, then you, you can, if this kind of like interests you, you can go back on our, like you can jump on HH and from Feb, there are messages on, on podcast or YouTube uh, and the last couple of weeks as, as well. And you can dive into a, a little more of an in-depth teaching. We can't, we're not going to jump into that teaching phrase today, uh, space today. But I'll, I'll just do a, a little snapshot as we as we read through here in the NIV. So therefore, so whenever there's a therefore that starts a verse, you've got to ask, what's it there for? And it points to what's proceeding. And so just before in chapter 11, we have this glorious doxology that is praising the glories of our God and, and lifting up his superior wisdom and and so that therefore refers back to that doxology but also to the the first 11 chapters of Romans which sets up some of the most glorious doctrine that we have and and this concise understanding of what Christianity is woven in there for us and the incredible wonders of God and his mercy and grace for us and so that precedes this verse therefore I urge you now, whenever we speak like that, whenever if you're just like, hey, and you're just having a having a chat and you're like, Graham, I I don't know what that was. What just fell? Huh. I heard the noise. It sounded like rustling in the bushes. It was like we we're all hunting together. And, and, uh, yeah. I said, oh, there. Oh. No, that does, that matters. That matters. Quintessentially, it's saying you need one that says quintessentially brilliant. So, so if I'm if I'm like Graham, I urge you, and I start a conversation with I urge you, then what's coming next is really important. We can interchange. I beg you, I I exhort you, brother Graham. Then. Then there, there is weight attached here, and the Apostle Paul is, is putting weight on what he is saying right here and now. And so let that weight be real for us here. And so God, would you continue to speak to us Amen. through your word? Therefore, I urge you, I beg you, brothers and sisters, family of God, I beg you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, when you have a view of something, you can you can see it. To see again God's mercy. So whatever's coming next, and there's some hardcore stuff coming next, but before you get there, first I want you to see God's mercy. See His grace, because it makes sense what's coming next only once we've seen God's mercy. And so then we would open our eyes to see the mercy and the grace of God that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That's his mercy that we have to keep seeing, that his extraordinary love would be lavished upon us even when we were at our worst. Even when we lived in opposition to him, he loved us First, And that's the love that we can't forget, especially if we've been walking this journey for quite a while. To come back and see again His mercy. See again His love. Capture the view of what that is. And so in view of His view of God's mercy, here's the fun bit. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, the, the imagery here is Old Testament imagery of an altar and a sacrifice being placed on the altar. Slice its throat. Blood pours out. It's a sacrifice for the atonement of sins, substitution. And it's this brutal, really glad we don't live in the Old Testament anymore. It's it's harsh, and, and so this animal is given his life so that as the blood was shed, it makes a way for humans who are broken, messed up, to have this substitution on our behalf so that we can have this connection with God. And it's, a, it's an end for that animal. As it climbs on the altar, that's the end. That they're, they're gone. And so here's this imagery where Paul's like, hey guys, good news. I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I want you to live in that place of death. I want you to live on the altar. I want you to climb up on that altar and surrender it all. Like, give it all. And this... It's a full-on imagery. What's being called of us here, and that's why we've got to first start with in view of God's mercy. It makes sense in response to that. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So this is your, it can actually be translated as this is your logical act of worship. So when we see God's mercy, his love and his grace, it's actually logical when we could really fathom all he's done for us. It makes sense to climb on the altar and live dead to ourselves, but alive in Christ. Like it makes, when we truly see who God is, living on the altar makes sense. When we're obscured from seeing him, when other things cloud the way, when, when we don't see him for who he is, then why on earth would we want to live on the altar? Yeah. Would we want to sacrifice things that our flesh says are really good? Yeah, yeah. It cries out for. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, to present your bodies, your, your body, your, your whole self, every, every part of you, that living, breathing, everyday life, going to work life, that's on the altar, your at-home life, your relationship life, every, every part of us on the altar to him, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is what worship looks like, is living in that place. And we, we worship beautifully together in song. And that's a, that's a small element of what worship is. But this is, it happens through every part of our lives. And every act of surrendering to him, of climbing on that altar, that is worship. Glorious worship to God. Verse 2. Do not conform, don't be squashed into, molded into the pattern of this world. The world wants to form us in a certain way and it is relentless in its pursuit to have us formed in a certain way where we then act in a certain way which is so normal and natural but could be totally out of alignment with kingdom principles but we're just, we've been formed and conformed by the pattern of this world. So, so don't do that, Paul's saying, don't do that, but be transformed. Yeah. 
And this is a this is like the the sense of a little butterfly, you know, that hasn't quite hatched yet in its cocoon. And this is metamorphosis. This is the, the this this little what's it called caterpillar? That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> the little caterpillar in the cocoon, as it then turns into this glorious butterfly, and and it has freedom and, and life. This is the process God wants in us daily of these little grubby parts in our lives being transformed by his glory into freedom and, and life, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that God wants his truth to be alive in the way that we think. And that is informative in this process. And then, then you'll be able to test and approve or discern what God's will is. This is, if we just stop and think about this, God, the author of all things, the creator of life, one who spoke every law into existence, gravity. We can discern his, his, his will, that there would be a growing discernment. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will, that there would be this compass inside of us that, that leans towards the things of God as he transforms us inwardly over and over and over again. Okay, let's get drawing. So, I'm not a fantastic drawer or writer or dancer or singer, but I'm not gonna do the latter two. But the, the first one, we're gonna give a little a little shot here. So it's not so much a drawing, it's a diagram, so that's that's okay. Can you see the circle? Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad circle. No. Not a bad circle. So what, what we're looking at here is we're we're gonna see a little bit of the the fabric of who we are as a person and then our ways of being in the world. And so there is a natural lean in every human to have I at the center, me, my will. Now, if you've seen toddlers, you know this very well, that there is this strong desire inside of them to have their way, to have my will done. Okay, so that, that's naturally, it's built into us. We, we know it, we understand it, we feel it. And we see in Romans 6 and 7, we see Paul talking about this wrestle inside of him that happens is there's this, this will, this I, this, this me that wants to do certain things, but then he feels this pull of God, which, which pulls in a different direction. And there's this wrestle inside. And so let's be real about the wrestle. So we have, this is the default setting of humanity, I in the center. And then we have these, these ways of being. So how we act and the, the patterns in our lives. And when I is at the center, all of these, the, these are the patterns of this world that do not conform to the patterns of this world, that there is a framework here that is created around us. And so let's, let's have a look at some of these areas that we have desires. So desires that rise within us. And, and so these ways of being in the world, another one is, is what we do with our calendar, uh, calendar prioritization. So these are uh, these these habits. Uh, we, we have uh, we could say like our personal health habits, and so our eating and drinking and exercise and and etc. etc. So what else do we have? We we can have like our if we zoom out macro, we have our our worldview. 
we can have our political and, and our social ideas again uh, around here. We can have our identity. Ooh, I think there's an extra something there. <laughs> and our self-image. That these are our, our ways of acting and, and being in the world, this complex network of thinking and will and, and attitudes. So we have various attitudes that we, we have our instinctual responses to stress. When we're feeling under pressure, how we just naturally react without think, without even knowing what we're doing. Those around can, can see and understand. We, we have our relationship dynamics how we respond in relationships, how we do conflict resolution, how we prioritize relationships or, or not, how we treat, treat other people, etc. Uh, we have our, we can go here, just things like our, our personality, our basic disposition. If we, we can put things like work, study, etc. Uh, we could have like a, our, uh, let's go over here, our work ethic. So we have all of these, all of these ways of being in the world. And when I is at the center, then it's, it's driven by our natural feelings and desires and the pattern of this world. And so this is, we, we all experience this, we can, can see this. So, so then, by God's grace, he calls us by name. And there is this opportunity to say yes to a different reality with Jesus in the center. And so then as we respond to the goodness and grace of God and we say, I want you to be my saviour, Jesus. No, no longer myself in the centre, but Jesus, I want, I want you in the centre. And so then what we have is, is we have the cross in the centre of our lives. And, and so there is this glorious work of grace. And this process now begins where Christ is alive in our heart. It's an it's a instant spiritual reformation. There is a move of God spiritually that shapes us where we would never be the same again. Where the power of the risen Christ is given access into our heart and we are saved. We are children of God. We are His chosen kids pulled into this glorious family. And so there's, there's this work of God deep in our hearts. And it's wonderful. And maybe for you it was a moment. Maybe for you it was a, a just a, a journey. Maybe it was really emotional. Maybe it was really intellectual. That we've each got a, a totally different experience here of, of how we put Christ in the center, how we said yes to him. And, and what happens is, is from that moment we were like, woohoo, this is, this is awesome. This is amazing. And, and we have different ideas about what life is going to be like now, about how easy or hard or what blessing might look like. And so we just come as we are. And then God 
goes to work along the journey. And we didn't know what we signed up for <laughs> at first necessarily. And, and so here's the challenge is we get saved and God does this work in our heart and our spirit, but in our flesh, in the practicalities of life, we have these ways of being. We have a whole lot of us around here that is not necessarily the redeemed us. We can have these patterns of the world in certain areas and then God invites us to this place of saying, hey, would you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice? I want to invite you into a continual work of transformation that I want to do into all of these so that the way you do relationships is not necessarily based on what your family of origin taught you. There could be a whole lot of good, but there can be a whole lot of messy and it's woven so deep, like it's, it's soaked into your bones so much that you don't even necessarily know. But there are these ways of doing relationships that God wants his glory to be let loose inside of. And so then we have this opportunity. Do we let the power of the cross, the power of the spirit into our relationships, into the way that we respond to stress where it doesn't have to look like what it does now? What does it look like as we really let the power of God into that space? As we let his grace into there, into our, into our attitudes, our work ethic, our identity, where there would be something so solid in our understanding of who we are because we know who he created us to be. Because there is a work of the cross that brings this solid sense into our identity that is not based upon our feelings. It's not based upon what others say. It's not based upon external successes. It is based upon who God says I am. And where he, he would build this, this strength in here. This is interesting. We'll just keep moving. <laughs> into our, the macro, our, our worldview, into how we view our personal health and looking after this body that houses all he wants to do in and through us and how we organize our calendar that God is allowed to get into that very practical space that the first thing we do in the morning, the last thing we do at night, how we attribute our time to work and family and serving and community and all of those things that it wouldn't just be based upon the patterns of this world the pressure that we feel around us in society, that it, that it wouldn't be based on what we saw dad doing or what this person over here is doing, but that it grows from this conviction, this being transformed by God. And there's a growing sense of, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So there's a growing sense of what his good, pleasing and perfect will looks like in my calendar. Yeah. And this is designed to be an adventure. I hope this isn't overwhelming. <laughs> Going, oh my goodness. It's my second time in church. God wants all of this. We're only just starting. There's, uh, we'll in the 20 more boards. But when we view it as work separate from his spirit, it's overwhelming and we can feel totally unmotivated. When we view this as the greatest adventure that anyone can have, because God wants freedom in every part of our lives, where he wants his love. Like Jesus was not just God, but he was the very best human to ever walk the planet. We're designed to look more and more like him every day. 
so that in five years' time, when I see Clay and I'm like, hey man, I'm like, Clay, you look more like Jesus now. Like you were awesome five years ago, but you look more like Jesus now. And man, glory to God for that because you're now even more of a blessing in this world. Like people in, in your work and your family are going to be even more blessed because you've done the work of in the morning getting up and saying, God, I'm climbing on the altar again. I don't feel like it today. But in view of your mercy, because of who you are, your call, your grace, I'm climbing on the altar today and saying, God, would you mess me up? Bring freedom. God, would you help me to dive into the adventure of this and not get bogged down in religious nuttery or... If Christianity has become boring, it's because we haven't dived into Christ and we've just seen the rules and regulations and structure. We've got to let him into the rules and regulation and structure to bring life to it. Because here's the, here's the thing. The, the altar picture that I painted earlier, didn't literally paint it, but you know, the, what we see in, in the verse here, the, the offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and the picture of the altar. So, so the deal with, with the sacrifice coming onto the altar here, that was the end. It, it was the end. And so for us, as we present ourselves to God saying, here I am, God. I'm presenting myself. It's the end of my will. It's the end of my, my sinful yearnings. I, I bring them all to you again. As we present ourselves in that place of death, death is not the end. Amen. Jesus Christ changed the game. And so for Jesus, his death on the cross was not the end, but the beginning of a whole new reality for you and I. And so the sacrifice of Christ made way where death turned into resurrection and resurrection into supernatural life. And so for you and I, as we present each part of who we are, our whole selves, as we present them to God again, day by day by day, we are climbing onto that altar saying, God, here I am. I'm still a work in progress. You see me through the perfection of Christ, but I know that i got a long way to go. And so I'm not hiding it from you. I'm bringing it all to you. Here I am, God. And so I'm presenting myself for death to self and knowing that as we do, it's in that place that there is resurrection life, the resurrection life of Christ. And when we climb on the altar, it's a death, but it's a beginning of a whole new life. And God wants you and I to be the most glorious versions of ourselves. That when he wove us together in our mother's womb and filled us with gifts and passions and talents, he wanted the trappings of the world to be just stricken from us. And, and he wanted us to, he saw us rising in his strength to be something that we could never be alone, but only through a work of his grace and the power of the spirit. So then all the glory is his. And that's what he calls us to each and every day. So that coming into our workplace, when we walk into work, that we're saying, God, would you by your grace move through me in this workplace today? Would you help me to be a better boss or a better public servant or, or whatever it is? And, and Lord, I'm presenting myself and I've got to do the work, but I'm aware that it's your power 
that is producing the result. That you're working in me and say, God, I've got a bad attitude towards that person at work. And so I invite you in, God, with your power. Reframe that attitude that there would be a miracle in that space. So instead of being just ticked off with them and picturing bad things happening to them, putting their face on my dartboard, God, I pray you bless them. Bless them. And in the process, do do a work in me. And and so even into, you know, Emma's doing this great, great course, the intersection between, it's a, it's a post, um, whatever, after you've done a degree, the next course, I'll let her be the smart person, I'll just talk about it. Um, and, uh, and it's the intersection between theology and mental health. And really, like, interesting, she just, last semester, she read, I think, seven books on suffering. That's exciting, right? Just uh, It's a part of our journey that we, we probably don't talk about enough. Uh, and Jesus was called the suffering servant. And so this life to the full that we're called to live is a victorious life, but it's not an easy life. And we need the power of God to get through. And that's the way it should be. Uh, and so in, in what she was looking at, I forget the exact, but, but we used to think that personality was fixed. And so you're born with a certain personality and, and bang, introvert boom, forever. Or whatever we want to label parts of our personality is. Recent studies are showing that it's far more malleable than what was understood 10, 20, 30 years ago. And something like 75 to 80% of our personality is malleable. And so through life circumstances, through things that are happening around us, through decisions that we make, there's the ability to see extraordinary change in who we are. And that maps so perfectly with how God created us. Because with his work of transformation in us, there is no end. It is glorious. And then let it continue every day of our lives until we meet him in glory. And we're never going to be a finished product. So don't feel bad if you're sitting here going, Ooh, I've got some work to do. Um, I got an attitude towards Jace right now for even telling me about all of this stuff. <laughs> stuff me, I just want to feel good about my life and, and I feel so busy. How am I going to put all this on top of all the busyness and the pressure and the. We're always going to feel like we're, if we're real with ourselves, like I got some work to go. But again, let's not get stuck in that place of then feeling down on ourselves because that's not the heart of God. He's like, wherever you're at, come to me. And come to me, you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. And as we come and we simply surrender it all and start the day with a point of surrender, God, I, I bring it all to you. I give it to you. I, I lay it before you. And now I need your miracles. <laughs> I need your power here. Here, here, every part of who I am, come and do your greatest work in and through me and let him gently and graciously continually lead us on this journey of him transforming all these practical ways of being for us in the world. One little step every day. One little moment. Don't sign up and go home and write a 30-point to-do list and... and just let him gently and graciously guide you to the next thing that it's time to let his transformation power into. One step at a time together. And when you're feeling stuck, you reach out to beautiful people around you and say, you know what? I don't think I've let God transform me for the last 10 years. 
I think I've fluffed and farted around and played the Christian game and been too busy doing it. And if that's where you're at, own it. Call it out. And then fall on your knees before God and say, God, I'm sorry. And own it with a friend who can keep you accountable to now building some different patterns here which are not conformed to the pattern of this world, but where there's a transformation that shapes the way we think so that there's a greater understanding of His will and we're seeing Him more, we're seeing His mercy more. And then, then there's this excitement to climb up again today on the altar. Now, I wish it was every day as exciting and say, God, here I am again. I'm signing in for the greatest adventure. And so every moment where we make a little change, where we make a little choice, where we say, so, and so my, my hope for us is that you would just let God speak to you about one thing. And then what I do is I send myself an email. That I probably send myself 10 emails a day. I feel really popular. It's like, look at all these emails. No, I don't like lots of emails. Uh, but it's because I know the pressure in my world and I know the way my brain works and so I've got to take a hold of that inspiration when it's there. I need to write it down and then I'll go home when I've got a minute and then I put it in my calendar. So in prepping for this series I've gone, I, I can sense God calling me to fast. Now fasting for me is not fun. It's not just one of those climbing on the altar things that I, I kind of, I'll let other people do that. Uh, like I'll, I'll avoid God, I'll just pray more instead of fasting or I'll just go. But, uh, and so it's in my diary, it's in my calendar. So tomorrow it begins. You can ask me, how's it going? I'll say, oh, glory to God. It's amazing. Uh, no, fasting's hard. It's supposed to be hard. We're starving the flesh. It's not supposed, supposed to feel like this. Glory and angels and harps. It's a, it's a death to other parts of me that need to die so that God's life can get into that space. And I know I've got some things here that I, I know this, this is the next part of the next step for me. And so my hope is that we can just find your one thing, maybe it's two things, that you could put in your calendar. And maybe it's you're setting an alarm and first thing tomorrow morning you're getting up and you're going to pray a prayer like, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You're going to read that scripture and then invite God in to do what we've been talking about here. Maybe that's your, your action and then everything's going to kind of springboard from that. But every one of those moments where we let the power of the cross into these areas, it's like a seed of revival. It's a seed of the glory of God being activated. It is a glorious act of worship when we would surrender ourselves, present ourselves, and let Him do what He loves to do, and that's bring His freedom into human lives. And so can you stand here this afternoon? Can I invite you just to open your hands before God, please? I, I love the, the symbolism. And I think so often there's something physical that we can do that positions us for even greater open-heartedness. And so I like just holding my hands open before God. And so Lord, as we, as we stand here, brothers and sisters, Lord, we thank you that your love and your grace calls us. 
God, that you called us at our most broken point, that you loved us before we could ever love you or impress you or, or do anything that you would call us to. God, you loved us before all of that. So we're not going to strive. We're not going to think we can force this sort of change into our life. God, what we do is even as our hands are open before you, we present ourselves here and now exactly as we are. No hiding, no pretending. And we thank you, God, that you accept us. You embrace us. And so we invite a deep, powerful work of your spirit that transforms us more and more into the image of Christ. And God, we thank you for where you've done this in the past. We thank you for what you're calling us to now. And God, we thank you for the people that will be blessed on the other side of our worship and surrender. And so God, let us see again that every moment of surrender is like a seed of revival. It's an opportunity for you to move in us so that you can move through us. And God, we thank you that it's others being blessed. That, that's that what you're positioning us for. So Lord, those who are married, Lord, as we sign up again, as we climb onto the altar, Lord, that our spouse would be blessed through our worship, our surrender, our obedience. God, those of us who are parents, Lord, that there would be an even greater scope of the love of Jesus in us to have patience and wisdom. And Lord, to make disciples in our own homes, we thank you, God, that as we climb on that altar again, as it were, that you empower us for that work. Above and beyond our greatest skills or abilities, God, you are there. God, every part of our lives, we invite you in. What's hidden and what's public. So be glorified in us, our mighty God, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.